0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, we come to the end of the liturgical year this evening. This is the final Sunday of a three-year lectionary cycle, and this year is simply known as Year B. So next week we begin Year C, and though you might not notice a difference, I wanted to point out to you that we will be starting something different next week, and that is we'll be using the New Anglican Church in North America lectionary, not the Revised Common lectionary that we have used ever since we launched. And this is in anticipation of the publication of our own Book of Common Prayer next year. And so many of the readings overlap, and if you were to compare the two, uh, you would see that. But if you anticipate the readings each week, Don't look at the Revised Common Lectionary anymore. Instead, look at the Anglican Church North America Lectionary, which is available at the anglicanchurch.net website. But nonetheless, even this time next year, we'll be celebrating Christ the King as we are doing this evening. I don't know about you, but I, perhaps we, spend a lot of time thinking about what it means to live in the here and the now. Right? We, We look at clocks to tell what time it is. We make appointments that we put in our calendars. We hopefully check those calendars so we can meet those appointments. We worship in La Mirada, and maybe you live elsewhere, but for many of us, that means we live in La Mirada. But if you live elsewhere in Whittier or La Habra, you you, you live in a place, right? I live at 13005 Oakwood Lane, La Mirada. I mean, I I can be reduced to a location. So I think about my home. I, I care for my home. Some of you have your favorite local coffee shop, and so you you know where it's at. You maybe have even know, gotten to know who works there and who works there at certain times, right? We think about our jobs, we think about our cars. Poor Marjorie's thinking about hers more than others tonight because it wouldn't start earlier, and so uh, we think about, for those of us who are employed with the benefit of retirement accounts, depending on our age, we might think about those retirement accounts. Others of us try not to think about them and the ebbs and flows of the market. We have banks, we have doctors, we have dentists, we go to grocery stores, et cetera, et cetera. We think about the here and the now. When we think about it geographically in terms of where we live, we think about it and what we're going to do this week, what is on the schedule for tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure we thought about it uh, today in the sense of like, what are we doing this day? I I don't know about you, but on Sundays I check the clock a lot because I have this fear that I'm going to one Sunday... Not be here at five o'clock for some strange reason. Our whole family would have had to blank out for that to happen. But it's in my mind, it's possible. So we we spend a lot of time just thinking about life and and what it means to be at on a particular day and in a particular place. But I wonder how often, and I really do wonder how often we think about our heavenly home, and, and maybe you do frequently. So this is more of a criticism of myself. But I but I tend to get so caught up in those in the here and now things that I don't often think about the, the transient nature of these things. And I'm not saying this just because it was Thanksgiving, you know, which is followed by immediately the consumerist nature of the world on that which is Black Friday. And so I'm not, I'm not picking on this just because we happen to be uh, in a season of spending, if you will. But I mean, how often do we really think about the transient nature of things? I, I tend not to. Matter of fact, I, I, I like to think that I have a high view of stewarding the things that God has given me, so I spend a fair amount of time taking care of those things. Like today, for example, I vacuumed my clean car. Because there wasn't school last week, it really hadn't had a chance to get dirty, because Christina wasn't hauling kids back, at three kids, boys, each morning over to school, and so I went out and I cleaned clean. And part of that's just in my nature, like, well, there's got to be something on the floor. I, I have a black floor. I can't even see it, but I'm just going to vacuum it. Anyway, why, why wouldn't I vacuum it? And so, like, I, I just do that kind of thing. I think about what's here and what's now. And, and even when I went out after we had gotten here to the church, I had uh, taken a new box of altar wine up to the office, and I came back down to the car to get my Book of Common Prayer, and I went to get into the trunk, and I thought, oh, look at all the dust on this car you know, which some of you are going to laugh because you would think my car never has dust on it. But I thought, why didn't I dry wash that car today with my brush, right? The thing you can use to get the car clean. And so I, you know, I just think about often what's right at hand. I don't store up treasures in heaven, or if I am, I'm not always cognizant that I'm, what I'm doing is for that purpose, right? I don't always think about the fact that my actions here on earth have heavenly consequences, right? That the choices I make here on earth about my spiritual life do in fact have heavenly consequences. I I don't often think in those terms. And I certainly don't often, and and when I'm reminded of it, it's a great reminder that, that my holiness, my growth in holiness actually is bringing me closer to being joined with God, right? It's just easy to get caught up in the day today. And when everything's going right, there's still a lot to pay attention to. And when something goes wrong, right? It even more so preoccupies our time. And again, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, at least for me, I fail often to connect what I do from day to day with the larger picture of my heavenly home and the future that awaits me there. But I think on Christ the King Sunday, we are given the opportunity to bring these two aspects of our lives into conversation. And again, maybe you do this regularly, and I'm not saying I never do it, but I'm thankful for a day in the liturgical year that makes me do it. So if we think about our gospel reading from tonight, from the gospel of John, we pick up a moment that's actually, of course, in the final hours of Christ's life. It's, it's, a, it's a bit weird on Christ the King Sunday to be moving into a text that seems so much more appropriate for Lent or even Holy Week. But Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Now in John's Passion narrative, king, the word king, the title king is a central title for Jesus. John makes a point of again and again showing us how people refer to Jesus as the king. But yet for these people, including Pilate, they're thinking about Jesus's kingship in earthly political realities, not in divine categories, not that he's the king of the universe, not that he's the alpha and the omega, as the as the reading from the Revelation of John told us, but instead Pilate is asking, like, are you a king? Are you an earthly king? He's thinking in those terms. And again, that's, that's my point. We often think in those terms. It's because our lives traffic in the ordinary and, and that which is immediately at hand. I'm going to have to teach six hours tomorrow whether or not I want to do it. It's on the calendar. I have to go and do that. So we often think about it. And so Pilate's thinking this worldly. And not because I think Pilate is necessarily nervous about anything, but he's like, are you a king? Are you an earthly king? Are you an earthly political leader? And Jesus gets that because he answers by saying, my kingdom is not of this world. Right? Jesus is tacitly saying, Pilate, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking of me as a king of some group of people, these, these disciples, these hoi polloi that have been following me around but my kingdom is not of this world. Notice, he doesn't say he's not a king. He just says his kingdom is not of this world. Now, John already back in chapter 8, verse 23, had told us that Jesus is not of this world, or he had reported Jesus is saying that he's not of this world. And that was Jesus' way of saying, no, I'm not of this world. I'm from the Father. Right? I was not born in this world in the way other people were, in one sense, yes, but in another sense, completely not. I'm not of this world. I'm, I'm extra worldly, if you will. I'm from another world. I'm from the Father. In chapter 15, verse 19, John records Jesus' words that the disciples are not of this world. Now, they weren't born in the same way Jesus was, miraculously. They're not one with the Father. So what he's talking about there is he's saying, you disciples have received a new spiritual life with the Father through me. Like, you are now in relationship with the Father through me, so you also are not of this world. Your your earthly fathers are not as important now as your spiritual father. Right? So John has been already preparing us for this moment when Jesus claims that his kingdom is not of this world because Jesus is not of this world and the disciples are not of this world. I love what one commentator writes, quote, John's gospel teaches that heavenly realities, such as communion with God, are genuinely enjoyed by believers who live presently in the world, right? These heavenly realities, communion with God, we enjoy them while living in the world. The present, albeit imperfect, possession of these heavenly realities will lead to the complete possession of the same realities for all eternity at the last day. So although we enjoy these things now, We we will not fully enjoy them until the last day when we are called up to heaven, when we meet Jesus in the air, when we die and are resurrected, and we get to be with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit for all eternity. Right? So it's the infamous eschatological already not yet. Right? That already we get to benefit from these realities, right? In other words, life isn't just about the car or the dentist, or the doctor, or the however you want to think about it. But but these things are already connected to something bigger. And I would say even something better. And so we will experience those things. And so Jesus says, like, well, if I am a king, my kingdom is not of this world. Right? And he says it again, but my kingdom is not from the world. So Pilate says to him, so you are a king. So Pilate gets it. He gets what Jesus is saying. Like, okay, so your kingdom might not be of this world, but are you a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king, right? Which I think is just a nice way of saying, you said it, not me, right? Yes, I am a king. You said it. And Jesus goes on to say, for this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world. Yes, Pilate, I am in fact a king. And so today we think about how Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, right? Uh, Captured in our collect. But yet here, as we think about Jesus on earth, he's saying, yes, I am a king, But yet at the same time, he's the arrested Jesus in front of Pilate. And soon he'll be the crucified Jesus. And so Jesus himself was already the king, but his kingdom is not of this world. And we are already, if you will, inhabitants of that kingdom, though we're not there yet. The things that we do on earth connect to that, right? But they are not that. And so let me come back to my own neuroses, perhaps, about vacuuming clean. Right. The point of that is, is I do believe that I, take, I want to take care of things in a stewardship sense because I do believe, in fact, that these things that I've been given on this earth do, in fact, connect to life and the next, not because my Dodge journey is coming with me, thank God after needing a new transmission a few months ago. I don't want that thing. I want something better when I get there, right? It's not coming with me, but the way I live on this earth, the way that I, I, I treat things and I treat people, and I, my mindset ought to be that I will one day reside in a kingdom, and I already do to some extent, but just not fully yet. And so the text from Revelation reminds us of this. It drives it home that John here gets to pick up again a theme that both is from the Old Testament and something that he's already anticipated by hearing the words of Jesus in front of Pilate, right? So this reading from Revelation tonight, what a beautiful eschatological reading, three sets, sorry, four sets of three things, right? It's the grace and peace to you from who is, who was, and who is to come. Right, he who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth, who loves us, has freed us from our sins, and made us a kingdom of priests, who is God and Father. We'll come back to that. And then he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. So in these short few verses, John packs all of this rich, uh, triple trinitarian, if you will, worship of God and who he is. And there nestled in the middle, in the middle of it, is a is a. Is an echo of Exodus 19:6, which says, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And here it says, We've been made a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. And later in Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God. You see, there's this eschatological element that um, to our lives, just like it was in Jesus's life, but he, we've been made into a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. That is signaling to us, that is telling us that we already participate in this kingdom, that our kingdom is also not of this world, that we are priests of a better kingdom, right, of a different kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, And that is not of this world, ultimately. Are we seeing glimpses of it now? Absolutely. But the fullness is yet to come. And we are priests of that kingdom. Not individually, but collectively. Right? Together, we are priests in the kingdom of God. And that's a truth now, not just later. And so as we live on this world as a kingdom of priests, right, we need to do that in such a way that we're not preoccupied or completely focused only on that which is around us and which is transitory. But we need to realize that there's an eternality to everything that we do, to our very existence, to the things that we do and say, and again, the way we treat people, even to the things that we own and steward. And so like Jesus, who was king before Pilate, though his kingdom was not of this world, we are priests of that kingdom though just not yet in this world? To some extent, yes, not fully. That is yet to come. So as we think about Christ the King Sunday and how Jesus straddles the kind of the already and the not yet, we are brought into that. We're not just uh, observers of Jesus' status as the King of kings and Lord of lords, not of this world, but of the heavenly kingdom and the eschatological kingdom, but we are members of that kingdom as well. And that changes both how we think about the way that we conduct our lives and live our lives, but I hope also the way in which we live into this liturgical year, that this is both the ending of what has been, yet the beginning of what is yet to come. This is the beauty of the liturgical year that, I mean, next Sunday, it's the Happy New Year Day, right? It's the set back to zero again. I don't know about you, but my liturgical calendar has the tear-off months, I got to put the new one up. Right? That's what this is, is that we look back, but we also look forward. And as we do that, I just want to conclude tonight by helping us to look forward. And you've heard about these things, but I want to bring them up again because we're getting close to when we want to see um, these things happen in our parish. And again, it's the fasting initiative, right? That we are inviting, and by we, it's all of us inviting one another into this space of fasting together, on Fridays, as you're able. Did that go out again today, Elena? No, it's going to go out tomorrow or something. So we're going to send out that that invitation again. And I do encourage you, if you didn't read it the first time, please read it this time. At least see what you're being invited to do. And that is again to fast between breakfast and dinner on Fridays, if you're able. Some of those Fridays, we hope to have the the chapel open, so you could come and just pray and be together if there's other people there or just have a place to go as you feel those hunger pains. And so we invite you into that, not just because, but because fasting is something God has told us to do, and it's traditional in Christian history to fast on Fridays, and and because we want to fast in order to commit ourselves both individually and collectively to God, and to keep before us this discipleship plan in particular and commit that to God and where we fit within that plan. And so that's going to start soon because we want to do that in Advent and I'm already praying that it will take root in my own life and go beyond Advent. But next week, and maybe a more mundane key is, no pun intended there actually, new service music. Right? We're going to switch the service music next week because that's what we do seasonally to, to remind us that there's a change, that there's something different about the season And so next week when you come, it might be music you're not familiar with. I'm not sure yet what Sarah has picked myself. I like to have it be a surprise. But as we sing that new service music, it gives us an opportunity to think about that God is doing, again, a new thing, that we have switched seasons. And hopefully, along with fasting and thinking about Advent, the coming of Jesus, the new service music will help us to do that. And then finally, we've done this before, but we did it during a Lent. But during Advent this year, I'm going to celebrate the Eucharist, what's called Ad Orientum, to the east. Which means I'm going to push the altar against the platform and celebrate most of it with my back to you. But the other way to think about this is I'm pointing myself in the same direction as you are pointing, towards the east. And the beautiful thing about this building is it is actually laid out on an east-west axis. So this time of year, or this time of year before we change time, when the sun sets, about the time we get out of church, I always have the best view of that sunset. But we're going to move the altar like we did a couple months ago in order for all of us, myself included, to be facing towards the star of David, the coming sun, Jesus. And so again, we'll do that as a way to situate literally ourselves pointing towards the east, pointing towards the star, pointing towards Jesus. And we do all of these things not just to mix things up. That's not the point. The point is for us is to enter into the space where what we do here matters for what is yet to come, that what we do here is a foretaste of what we will be doing in that kingdom when God comes back and establishes it. And Advent has that focus, and we'll talk about that. It has the Christ is coming as the infant Jesus, but also Christ is coming as the returning King of kings and Lord of lords. So this Sunday is merely a foretaste of what is to come. And so I pray that as we enter into this new season together collectively with an invitation to fast before us, with an invitation to uh, develop this discipleship plan, with an annual meeting next week to talk about what God is doing and what we want him to be doing in our midst and, and asking him to do it as we think about singing our worship music, different, music differently, as we, as we face together the East, the Star of David, I pray that you will begin to see the ways in which God, at our sixth anniversary next week, is is still interested in using us here at Epiphany, and that we will give ourselves to that, and that as we worship the King of kings and Lord of lords, that we will live fully into our own priesthood, priest to God, the Father. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.